Every week, we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast, where we celebrate stories of resilience. Today, we're talking with Sherry Madsen. I have known Sherry for a long time. She was the young kid back when I knew her back in Atlanta. And uh, and now she is, are, are you the old lady now? Does that, is that how it I, works? I mean, you go from being the young kid to the old lady. She was 19 I think in the, Atlanta. I'm pretty sure I'm like the oldest one on the, on the track side on the team. So, yeah. <laughs> 44 years old, not that you look like an old lady, not like you race like an old lady. The track trials are next week in, uh, in, in Minneapolis. And so, so this will determine, see, this will determine whether you make the team or not. Sherry, thank you for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to have you join us. And uh, yeah, look forward to hearing your story. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So, 16 years in between games, right? You were at the top of your game in Sydney in 2000. Yes. Yeah, it's six, 16 years. Yeah, so that sounds like such a long time, but it just doesn't feel like it, but yeah. And then you came back in Rio. So you were on top of your game. You won the, in, in Sydney, you won the 100 and the 400? Yes. 100 and the 400. You held world records in the 100, the 200, and the 400. At one point, you said your 400 was was uh, was 44, uh, 54, 62. Is yes. that right? Yeah. 54, 62. What's it What's it like now? I mean, it's are, do, are, do you do things differently? Are there things that you did well back then that you don't do well now? Are there things you do well now that you didn't do well back then? Yes to both. Um, <laughs> I think one of the main differences now is just the way we're posi positioned in our racing chairs. Mm -hmm. And I think like that's probably the reason why, you know, my times are still similar. I mean, I couldn't imagine like pushing like straight up like we used to do because now we're more flat. So like just little things like that have changed, but essentially like equipment's, you know, the same. You know, that hasn't changed all that much. It's really been positioning. So, so talk about what that means, the positioning. You're talking about flat. So what's flat versus versus? So like, so like my legs, my knees are down a lot lower and my back's a lot flatter. But the position back in the day, we were more up at an angle. Like even if I look at old photos, I think I'm like, wow, how did we do that? <laughs> Just doesn't seem like... I was like supposed to be that way because this is so natural the way we do it now. Right, exactly. And so, but your times are are relatively similar, which is helpful, right? I mean, this is you mm -hmm. are now 44 years old. You're not 19 years old. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, my times are are similar. I've actually I push faster than my world record time. I mean, I'm nowhere near world record pace now but I'm faster than what I personally was when I was 18. What is world record for the 400? 400 is your big event, right? Yeah, so the world record in that is 51.91. That's just flying. Yeah, unbelievably fast. 
5191. Wow. Wow. And and there are a fair number of people who are able to go that fast. Is that the is it a deeper field now? Um, I think it's um Tatiana. I think I want to say she still holds that record. Um and Manuela. I mean, she's smoking fast too, but I think Tatiana has that record. So Tatiana McFadden and Manuela Shar. Uh, mm -hmm. are, are really the two people because Tatiana was the one who back in London in 2012 they were looking for her to to sweep all the gold medals from the 100 through the marathon mm -hmm. and and Manuela and then Tatiana had some blood clots and Manuela filled that void and now Tatiana mm -hmm. in a lot of ways is looking up at Manuela where do you feel your preparation is putting you in the mix i mean do you feel comfortable in your in your hope of making the team next week um i feel comfortable um i feel confident that i'll make the team uh you know we really have to work on you know meddling in in tokyo uh but i mean it's so hard to like to like explain because i don't want to go in like overconfident you know i know i've I put the work in, I put the time in, and I just, I don't want to overthink things and I don't want to stress out about it. You know, that's really what you don't, I don't want to get in my own head, you know, and it's just different this time around. Like there's really like no pressure. I mean, I'm not sponsored by anyone, you know, it's me just going out there and, you know, giving the best that I can do on that day. Are you more mature about that now? than you were almost, when you were a kid? Oh, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. Um, you know, back when you're, you know, when I was a kid, like I was traveling a lot with my mom. Right. And so, gosh, my mom, you know, there's always, you know, you don't want to disappoint, you know. I don't, don't really have anybody to disappoint now. Like, you know, I have my own family and no matter what I do, you know, they support me no matter what. You're you know, still okay. Your kids aren't giving you a hard time about, hey, mom, you no. didn't go fast enough. No, my kids are not like that. Mm -mm, not at all. They're just really, they mean, they're completely opposite personalities. But like when I started racing again, they were a little bit younger and they just kind of have grown up with this now. And so, like, I definitely have missed things, but they've never given me a hard time about missing stuff. Like, sometimes I feel sad, like, when I miss a prom or, like, I miss a game. But they haven't really made me feel guilty, like, whatsoever. So how did this, how did this timeline work? I want to build back up to, to the trials, but how did this timeline work? So you were on top of your game in 2000. And then yeah. <laughs> what happened? Well, okay, so... I needed my shoulder repaired, first of all. So I had to do rotator cuff surgery. So I knew I, I knew I needed some work done on my shoulder. And I really kind of wanted to go out like on the on top. And that's I, I was the fastest in the world at the time. So I was like, oh, this is a good time. So and I was already engaged. And so I knew that, you know, I wanted to be married and I want to have a family, but I knew how to get my shoulder done. So that's what I did. I just kind of switched directions and when I stopped racing, like when I tell you, like I never pushed again, I didn't. Like I went the whole 13 years doing nothing. Doing nothing at all. So nothing. 
nothing. So no fitness, no gym, no swimming, no pushing around in your everyday chair. I'm sure you did that to a certain extent. But well, I did that to a certain extent, but like I, you know, I had my kids and um, my grandma also moved in with me. And so I was helping take care of my grandma. She was diagnosed with cancer. And so we are going between, you know, radiation and chemotherapy. And so there was just a lot of life happening. And so racing just really wasn't anything I was thinking about. And, and so then what, what brought, brought you back to racing? Why, why after, after 13 years did you decide, hey, I need to do this? Because what your kids at that point were, because your kids now are, what, like 18 and 14 kind of thing? 17, 17 and 15. 17 and 15, okay. Yeah. Well, so it was, oh my gosh, it was like uh, May of like 2007. Um, I don't know if you remember my little brother, Mario, but he used to travel around with my mom and I a lot. And so my youngest, Malena, she had just turned a year old. And Mario says, when are you going to start racing again? And I'm like, you are so crazy. I'm like, I just had a baby. I'm like, that's like, what made you say that? And he was like, those were just some of the best memories I've ever had. He goes, I loved it. He goes, I just want the girls to experience that. He's like, I know you can still do it. And I just really kind of brushed him off. Like I was just like, it just came out of nowhere, really. And you're, just, kids. you're surviving, right? I mean, you're just yeah. barely getting day to day. Yeah. Like it like, you know, wasn't even a thought. And so December of that year, so December 23rd, 2007, Mario, my little brother, and my dad was killed in a train car accident like right down the road from my house. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, had, you know, Mario not put that in my head, I don't know if I ever would have started racing again. And so this is kind of really, you know, his words always kind of sat with me after that. I mean, it definitely took a lot of like um, counseling to get through such, you know, such a huge loss. That was um, the first person that anybody in my family had lost. And he was only 15 and he was just so young. So it took me a few years to, you know, get over that hump and, you know, but his words always kind of sat there. Like the girls need to experience it. Those were his best memories. Wow. So, wow. so it's really, you know, he's, he's with me and I know like he, he would be proud and, so he's, you know, he's a big reason why I started doing it again. So that was 2007, though. Mm -hmm. and like I still, said, I, I took over six years. Yeah, I was a, I was a mess. Yeah, I was an absolute mess. I it was it was devastating. Um, Mario and my mom lived next door to me. And so he was kind of at my house every day. And so just like having like such a loss like that it was just it was really hard to it was really hard to function i can only imagine and you, not only did you lose your brother you lost your father at the same time right yeah yep and it was just he he had actually spent the night at my house the day book the night before the accident and we were wrapping uh christmas gifts 
and we stayed up late and we watched movies and just really kind of just enjoyed ourselves. Like Mario was just, it was just so much fun. And, you know, everybody loved him. Just a really fun kid. And um, my dad got called into work on Christmas, Christmas day. And so he had just happened just to call up here and say, Hey, he's like, I got called into work. Why don't we spend today together and do their Christmas? Cause him and my mom had been divorced now they were divorced. So he picked Mario up and I'm just sitting in the living room and I see an ambulance go by the side of the house, like in a window. And I was like, I hear an ambulance out here. Like it was weird. And like, just like all of a sudden, like my whole body just felt like something was so wrong. So I started calling their cell phones. They didn't answer. I called my mom. She was like, I don't know what's going on. She's like, somebody called and said that they're on their scanner. They heard there was a train collision on C road, which is a mile away. And I was like, you know, I'm like hoping maybe they're just stop down by the track and like maybe they just can't get good cell reception so i told eric i'm like you that's my husband i'm like you need to run down to the tracks just go down there and it was the weather was bad like it was a sheet of ice out here and Eric goes down to the, the tracks and he he comes back and he just says that they're just both gone and there was just Nothing in you. They just told him to come home and just be with the family. And this was this was mm-hmm. Christmas Day, December twenty third. So two okay. days before. Yep. Wow. And yeah. So, and so obviously, yeah. I mean, super super emotional. Ugh. But your brother planted this seed that the girls needed to experience you racing. Yeah. He. And, how did yeah. <laughs> how did that process work? How did how did you get how did you get to the point, you know, that first time where you thought, okay, this is it. I'm gonna go blow the dust off my racing chair and get in and start honoring my brother. Well, I was watching um 2012 Paralympics. I was I was watching the games. I'd actually um I messaged Tatiana and I congratulated her. And just, you know, told her congratulations. And I had watched a lot of the track meet and I was, or a lot of the Paralympics. I was like, wow, this is like so cool. Like, wow. You know, and I just thought I would just go for it. Like, what's the word? Tatiana, because you guys didn't overlap because she did not overlap. We did not overlap. She was just so dominant. And I was like, dang, I'm like, this girl's amazing. I'm like, this is really cool. I was just, and it just kind of brought back those feelings of like winning and breaking world records. Like, I was just like, I kind of just started remembering and getting those feelings. I was like, oh, I know exactly how she feels right now. <laughs> like it's, it was, you know, it's just, it's a good place to be. What, what, what does that feel like? What does it feel like to, to put yourself out there to do that training, to break world records? What's that feeling like? You know, it's just, it's almost like a feeling of like, for me personally, it's like um, almost like a feeling of personal like satisfaction. Like I've worked and I've done it and it just feels good. And it makes, 
just makes it makes me happy. That's just it's the only way I can explain it. It's one of the the few things where you know where I can put however amount of work I want into something and my end result is normally pretty good. So yeah. What did your girls say when you told them that you were going to do this? Um, they really didn't know what I actually did before I started doing this again. Like I was just mom. <laughs> like they had no clue. And when I started doing it, like, I'm like, okay, I want to go to Rio. We're all going to go to Rio. Like that was the big deal. And so they would just tell everybody, oh, we're going to watch my mom race in Rio. So that was the big thing. Well, then like the Zika virus, that was the big thing. And I was like, okay, you guys aren't going to Rio. <laughs> like you guys are staying home. And so they didn't go to Rio and um, they did get a We in my, my small town, my community, they did put it at the local bar on like the big screen. And so they were able to watch it to like live stream it. So like they did see me win my silver medal. So it was, that was cool. They got it. They got that experience with like a whole bar crowd of people. So they were, they definitely liked that. Silver in the 400, right? So silver in the 400 to yeah. Tatiana, which the, which the two of you were, were really dominant in that race. I mean, it was Tatiana, then it was well, you. It was way out there. Yeah, the real race was between me and the Chinese because <laughs> you didn't know if they were going to come up on me or not. But yeah, that was that last hundred can be rough. Yeah, it is the roughest part of the four because I was honestly after 2016, I was like, I just wanted to do it one time just to see if I could, right? I just wanted to see if I could do it, and I was not going to do it anymore. I just wanted to get one time. And since I didn't go to Rio, my kids, my family, I said, well, I'll do world championships. It's in London. You guys can do London. And so we did London and they got a senior medal there and they love London. Like my youngest thinks she's going to live there when she grows up. So we'll see if that happens. But yeah, that was a really good experience for the girls. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. And they got to experience it. What about you, like with your brother? So, so when you're, when you're there in Rio, are you, are you thinking about him as, as you're there? Are you thinking about him as you're training prior I think, to? I think about him every day. He's always, he's always on my mind. Yeah. Does that make you push that little bit harder? Does it make you? Absol absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just, I always feel him with me. He's just, he was such a huge part of my life. And it's, it's even hard to imagine like how old he would be now, because to me, he's still this 15 year old kid that just gave the best hugs. And so like, you know, it's always just, it's hard. It still is hard. <laughs> wow. And yeah. so then, so, so then what about like, like winning that silver medal too? Is that one of those where you're like, yes. Hey man, look. <laughs> Look, we did this. We did this. Yes. We got the girls to experience it. That's exactly. That's exactly what I felt like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like, I mean, I knew that I was training and, and doing it, but I just, it all just came together. I mean, it was just, yeah. It was, yeah. It was pretty amazing. Were you surprised that it all came together, or did you believe that it would come together? Uh, oh, I believed. 
I mean, I was, I was surprised, but I also believed because like, 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 what would I be doing there and doing all of this if it wasn't for something, right? Like I was put in this path in this direction. So like, yeah, like I just, I just really felt like if I put in the work and, you know, gave my all that it would, it would work out. Like just meddling there. That was my goal. I just wanted to meddle. That's it. And I mean, I, obviously I knew how dominant Tatiana was like, she's just, it's, it's just Tatiana. Right. And so I'm like, who's, who do I need to worry about after that? So that's what I did. <laughs> who's racing for second place? I'm racing for second place. <laughs> that's what it was like. And I'm not going to lie about it because it's so true. And I know it's, I'm a realist. I, what can I say? But what a what a weird experience in a lot of ways too, right? Because the thing is, you, you came back to it through your brother. And I would mm-hmm. imagine there's a part of you that you're coming back to it through your girls too, to show them, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're the mother, right? You've got to teach them what to yeah. do. And the best way you can do that is through example. But then you hit this weird, like time, you know, you hit the Zika virus, you hit, I mean, they got to go to London. Now, now you've got COVID-19 where nobody's going to Tokyo where all these protocols when you go to go to trials and and everything. Yeah. What what because because you want them to experience it. So what's the, you know, sometimes I mean I imagine there are times that you just want to quit. Like what's the what's the story <laughs> that you keep telling yourself to keep yourself going? <laughs> Well, before COVID hit, right before it hit, we had bought the airplane, the airline tickets and the hotel for Tokyo. Like there was just no doubt in my mind that I wasn't going. And so we, we bought tickets. And so now we're going to have to use them for my niece is getting married in Mexico next year. So we're going to go to Mexico with that because nobody's allowed to go now. But the funny enough, like after London, and then there was, I don't know, another world championships and then another world champ. I just kept going because my kids were like, how are you not going to do Tokyo? Like Tokyo is going to be the coolest place ever. And I was like, man, do you guys think I could do another, another round? I mean, I'm getting older. And they're like, yeah, mom, you definitely could do another games. So I was like, okay, like I'll keep going. And so like, I really just kind of kept going because they wanted to go to Tokyo and now they're not going to Tokyo. So here I am. You better watch out because Paris is 2024. I don't even know. Like I would be like, how old would I be? Too old for that. Like I'd be in my fifties. No. (laughs) It's three years from now. So you'd be- Three years from now, 24. I don't know. That's a lot. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to. You have to talk to me. You have to talk to your girls. You know, they're at the point now where one's going off to college, and the other one's just kind of hanging out with friends. Like they're not even upset. They're not going to Tokyo at this point. It's they. They're not upset. Yeah, but it might not be real for them yet. That once you start getting the build up, going to the games and the excitement, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Like they haven't really discussed it. Like they weren't 
bummed out. They're like, Ooh, Mexico will be fun. Like, I just think like what I do, like they know that I leave, they know that I compete, you know what I mean? They get all of that, but they're also like super like, like independent and they have their own sports. Like right now, my oldest is in Tulsa. She has a softball tournament. So like, you know, she's huge into sports and my youngest, she does cross country. So like they both just do their own, their own thing. And, you know, and one thing that I can say is as much time as I've put into like training and racing, like they get no, like, I give them no slack. <laughs> like there's no excuses for you guys. Like I just, I just don't do it. Like if they don't put the work in and they have a bad game or they don't do well, I'm like, well, what can you do? Like, how can you, how can you get better? Is that harder for you? Cause like you were talking about your, your oldest daughter just signed to play in college, right? To play college mm -hmm. softball. And yeah. Is it harder to be the spectator than it is to, to be the competitor? Um, ooh, that's a good one. I've learned just to keep quiet because I know her personality and like, when she gets upset, like she wears it really well and like everybody knows. And so like, I don't want to be the cause of that. And so like, I just kind of sit back and like, we'll talk later. Like I just try not to, to get in her head. Cause I don't, I don't want to make her mad. And I know it's a crazy thing to say, but she just has to figure things out on her own. Like if she's up and she's struggling and she's striking out and I'm just like, well, what can you, you know, when she's done, like, well, what can you do better? Like, should you go hit more? Like, what do you think? <laughs> Which is a great way to approach it, but I would imagine is really hard also as a parent. You're like, you don't want to keep, see your kid struggle. I mean, how, how is it that you can allow your kid to struggle? I think just like with my own experiences, like I've struggled, I've lost. I mean, it's just makes you who you are. I mean, if everything was just an automatic given and you never failed, how would you ever improve or get any better? So, I mean, I teach them that too. You know, it's all part of it. What, what do you think that they take from you? Oh, you I think that they ignore you, right? But they probably oh, are actually watching you. <laughs> I know they ignore me. Oh, I think they watch me. Like, they know that I'm a, they say I'm addicted to working out. <laughs> like, they say I'm an addictive personality. Um, but they know I work hard. Like, they, they know. I remember when I was, man, when I started doing a little more road stuff and the girls are like, oh, I'm going to ride our bikes with you. Yeah, they can't ride bikes with me. Like, they're not. They're not fast enough. And they're like, yeah, we're never doing that again. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they know how fast, how fast I am and how hard I work. And so like, they're like, what's your workout today? I'm like, oh, do you want to go to the track and time me? They're like, oh, how long are you going to be there? I'm like, like an hour and a half, like just take some time out of your day. So, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I wish they were a little bit more involved, but it's okay. Oh, I mean, they have to do their own thing. But you do have your youngest one, you said, is a cross-country runner, though, too. She she doesn't come and join you on your track workouts? She, 
she would do whatever she can not to get on that track. Um, she rather run on the on the roads. She's she's like she doesn't like going in circles, and she didn't want to do track. And her cross country coach is also the track coach. He's like, oh no, you're doing track. And I was like, well, I mean, she's she's improving. You know, and that's the one great thing about track is it's not really, especially like you know, when she's just starting out, she was a freshman this year. I'm like, it's not about winning. It's about your personal improvements. And that's kind of the thing with her is like, oh, you, you were faster. Oh, well, look, you know, and I'm trying to teach her like, and I'm, I know that I'm not good at tactics, but I'm like, why are you just going to let that girl stay behind you the whole way? Like step out. <laughs> like, so with things like that, that I wish, you know, she'll learn things like that as she goes, but yeah. But like she, she works hard. She gets up and she goes to practice and yeah. But I'm just letting her figure it out. She's probably most like me personality wise. And so I definitely don't want to tell her what to do. Because you would not react well to that if someone- I'm not welcome. Mm -mm. No, not at all. And so like we, I get her, yeah. So how does that work with your coach? You said you work with with Wendy and several Wendy Gumber and mm -hmm. Mendoza. I just really, I just trust what they're, I just trust in what they're doing. I mean, Saul was super successful, and I just really kind of buy into their program. I mean, I, yeah, so far they, so far, done really great things with them. And it was I'd first seen them. So when I first started racing again, I went to, it was nationals at San Antonio. And I went there in my old racing chair and I was, I was pretty heavy. And so I was pretty much like on top of my frame, right? I wasn't really in it. I was on top of it. And I actually qualified for worlds that year at that meet. Yeah, I qualified. I was in shock and Saul and Wendy was there, and so was um, Barry with Eagle. And Barry's like, you need a new chair. I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> and so Barry built me a frame, and Wendy's like, you know, what can I help? What can I do to help you? And she's like, I really think, you know, obviously, first and foremost was I needed to start losing some weight. I was probably 30 pounds heavier. It was a big deal. I mean, this is strength to weight, right? This is... Yes, I was quite a bit bigger. And she's like, you know, let's start working on that. And yeah, just, I did it. I got, um, Barry's chair came. And so that was like, this was all happened within that summer. And I went to world's championships. It was in, um, uh, it was in France. And so Eric and the, I think Eric and the girls were watching it live streaming it which how amazing is that in these times right you can watch whatever so cool and the commentator was talking about me and kind of talking about me in a negative way saying like I was kind of out of my league and like what like they were like he was like in shock he's like I don't think that guy knew who you were or maybe he didn't you know maybe your last name like he didn't get it but I remember I ended up gosh I think I won two, two bronze and a silver. I medaled in the one, two, and the 400 there. And the commentator's like, wow, I really need to eat my words. 
like, cause I was still fast. I just needed to be more fit. And that's just what we worked on was losing weight and distance and getting fit. Are you training differently now than you were back when you were younger? Yes. Um, when I was younger, I was probably doing a lot more sprinting mm -hmm. and working with like Wendy and Saul. Like I'm definitely doing a lot more tempo training and, you know, obviously there's overspeed days and whatnot, but, you know, I really kind of got to protect these shoulders. So you're not doing all that ballistic sprinting where, where it's just full out and the tempo, can you describe what tempo is, what tempo training is? So like how we do our tempo training, it's like keeping my heart rate at like 80%, you know, it doesn't really matter my speed. It's just keeping my body at like a nice level, you know, heart rate. And then it's like, we'll do pickups to try to bump up my heart rate. And, you know, he says it's all going to transition and work out. So I believe so, because <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> well, it's good to have this faith and it's good to have somebody on your team. Exactly. Yes. But it's also, they're not with you every day. They're down in San Antonio. They're down in Texas mm -hmm. somewhere, right? And, and yep, you're in Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, gosh, I talk to, I talk to them all the time, actually. Yeah, it's, we've had, we have a really good relationship. And one of the crazy things with this whole COVID thing is Zoom. Like now I work out with them like twice a week, like on my roller, just doing over speed work. And, you know, we definitely change like techniques and, you know, we just were able to see each other and all this time, all this years training, like we never did that. I mean, I would send them videos, but nothing like this. So this has been kind of cool. Right. So you can put your phone up on a, on a tripod or whatever and get into yep. your hair on your rollers, which is effectively like a stationary bike. And yep. you can do all of your work, which, which is where a lot of your, a lot of where your improvements happen, where you ingrain your stroke, where you can, you're not getting that variety where you can, you can really work on the system, the cardiovascular system, as opposed to the the muscular system, you can work on the muscular system as well. It, it's a little bit hard though too, isn't it? Like effectively kind of being an outsider because I mean, one of the best countries in the world in track is the University of Illinois. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're a dominant force. Like, um, you know, they come, they come rolling in and like, oof, yeah. I mean, that's why it's really tough to kind of do anything, you know, outside of my own lane. So I like my own lane. <laughs> I like to be able to control my own race. <laughs> tell the audience what you mean by that. And I understand what you mean, but tell them what you mean by your, your own lane. So if you do a sprint, you know, you stay in your lane. Where if you do a distance, you know, you kind of move around and there's tactics and, you know, people talk and yeah, it, it gets a little more tactical and I'm not the best at that. So you stick with one, two, and four, which now they're not running the 200 anymore. I wish they were, but yeah, it's unfortunate because that, that that's one of my favorite events. That was, that was always my event of choice, was the 200. Just <laughs> get up to speed quickly enough. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't start quite as well, you know, which in some ways it looks like you're sort of similar, right? In that, yeah. that you start well but you don't start great 
Yes. And you accelerate really well. I mean, that was even like back to your to your early days, right? I mean, back to racing the hundred against Chantal, where where she got got you out of the start, but you were able to accelerate and and get past her. Those three kind of phases of the of the race: mm -hmm. you start, you have the acceleration, and then you have your top speed kind of thing, or at least approaching your top speed. And is that sure. what you still do well? I'm still the same. Yes, I'm still the same. But the crazy thing now, especially with the 100, is I'm right around like 100 pounds, 100, 103. But these 100-meter sprinter now are like 80, 85 pounds. And so, like, I'm outweighing them by quite a bit. And so, like, I feel like everybody's off the line before me. But, you know, it's still that acceleration and that power and my top speed where I can where I can get them, you know, I can't afford to make a mistake in a hundred. Like I don't have enough, I don't have enough room. What are the mistakes that you can make in the hundred and how are you trying to avoid those? So it's still my starts. Um, like I was in Arizona and I, both of my hands slipped off the starts, like both. And so like my whole first push I had, I just didn't go. My hand actually went through my wheel. I was like, oh, as I really takes off. And I just, I finished second. Um, but I mean, I just, I can't afford to make mistakes with somebody that's younger and faster. And, you know, they're, they're coming up. I always said I wanted to get out of this before all these young girls start beating me. <laughs> like the time's coming. It's, it's upon me. <laughs> So it's it's the start. Is there is there something that you can do now? Just looking at like some of these athletes who who run like a really heavy front end, a really heavy front wheel. Because one of those things, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be strong functionally. I mean, you want your strength to go into into going forward, right? Mm -hmm. When you're sprinting, you're thinking, okay, go fast, go fast, go fast, go fast. It's so easy to push a little bit harder with one side on the, on on one stroke, so then the front end is moving left. Then you overcorrect, and then the front end is moving right. And instead of going a hundred meters, you're going hundred and five meters or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you're looking at and saying, okay, I need to take my experience and figure out how I can do this better? You know, starts are something that no, gosh. I've been working on them for years. It's just, I don't know, for me, like, so I am in like the, the 54 class and I push more like a 53 and maybe a lot of people aren't going to know what that means, but I'm sure you do. Well, tell um, them what that means. That's... Like a 50, so like a 54 class, I have a lot more ab function. Um, I, I don't, I have like hip flexors. And so that bumps me up to a 54 class. And so if you see all of us start, I still start more flat and everybody's up higher. So they kind of got a little bit more of a, a jump on me. And, and put all those big muscles into you know, your chest and your body weight mm -hmm. into the rings. Because the hardest thing in being a wheelchair sprinter is getting the wheelchair moving, getting what we call getting out of the hole. And yep. it literally is getting out of the hole to uh, you know, to, <laughs> to get the chair moving. So, so you start more flat, which is similar in some ways 
like one of the guys who I think starts really flat is like Brent uh, Lactose from Canada. There's yep. a T53 who doesn't have the the torso, you know, the yes. stomach and back. And and so what are you what are you trying to do? What's your objective in starting flat and in starting that way versus the other athletes who seemingly have an advantage? I just I can I just keep doing more starts. <laughs> I just and I'm by myself. And so there's nobody there like with a gun or with a clap or there's nobody actually starting me. So it's all in my head. So I just don't have that good reaction time either. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's, that's been one of the frustrating things about working on my own. So like when I'm out at the track, you know, I'm counting in my head or, you know, I just, you know, I really just want to keep my hands nice and tight and trust me. So and Wendy, we have tried to, have me come up and try to do that. But like I move my body before my arms. Like it's not, it's not one motion. Trust me, we've tried lots of things and I'm still faster just using my arms. Just using your arms and using hand speed. Hand speed yeah. So you have two choices, mm -hmm. right? You have the, the strength, yep. the brute strength of like a bench press kind of thing. Yeah. Where you have the hand speed of like hitting the ring quickly and that's that's what you choose to go through is the hitting the ring quickly yep it's my, it's my only choice <laughs> why do you think that you accelerate so well that's the that's always been the the important part of your race yeah i just always and it's, it surprises me that i still am but i still do like i didn't lose any of that like i didn't lose any of that fast twitch i still have it yeah i don't know i just it's um I think maybe it's just comes like really natural to me to have just that quick, fast twitch muscle. It's just who you are. Yeah, it's just how I'm genetically made up because it's just, it's still there. Even when I was a little chubbier, it was still there. Like I was still quick. <laughs> exactly. Now, have you, have you connected with any of the people who were your contemporaries, like the contemporaries back in, back in 2000, back in 1996. What have they said about you getting back on the track? Um, Louise thinks it's absolutely amazing because I'll see Louise because she's a coach, Savage. So like, I'll see Louise and she's like, I just can't believe you're still doing it. <laughs> she's like, it's amazing. So she always gets really excited. Yeah, she loves it. Um, so that's probably been like one of my biggest competitors. I've never, this is the thing with Louise. Like I've never, I've never beat Louise. I've outbested times. I can, we've done different time trials, but when it comes down to head to head, she was always just stronger. She had more power. She could always get me at the end, but she was just one of those people that was just, I always looked up to Louise. She was just, and she's still nice. And yeah. It sounds like she, I mean, she was a competitor, but sort of a hero in some ways. And especially mm -hmm. if you're doing this now, do you look to any of the previous competitors for inspiration? Previous competitors. I mean, I'm thinking of like like Heinz Fry and people like. I mean, Heinz Fry was like oh, like all the old championships up until he was like six <laughs> or something, or he might still be in it. I don't know. I haven't seen him. <laughs> Well, it's like, it's really cool because like Saul's one of my coaches, right? So like, 
he was a kind of a big deal back in the 90s and the 2000s, right? So it's like really cool. Like he's kind of training me. And I mean, we were friends back then, but now just to have a little piece of, you know, his knowledge, that's it's really cool. So like is I really still getting in his racing chair. Um, he does a lot of hand cycling. Okay. Yeah. I I go down there to train every once in a while, like twice a year. I'll go down there to do some training with them. Yeah. He does the hand cycle and Wendy will get on her bike and it's the only time I really have the opportunity to work with somebody else. To actually get in a draft, which is a big thing, but if you're Mm -hmm. staying in your lane, you really don't have to worry about the draft too much. Mm -mm. But it's all with so rules. Like how can we get your top speed faster? Like spin out around me. Like I want head to head competition. So (laughs) it's like mental. Well, there's so many different parts of being successful as a competitor has that is that something that's changed do you feel do you feel mentally stronger now than you were as a kid or you're kind of a cocky kid too so you might not have thought about some of the other things you know I will have to say when I started racing again I really just had to like talk to myself and be like you know you're probably not going to be a world record holder a gold medalist like you know you know you just Cause that was like a real issue. Like, wow, am I going to go back into a sport where I was once so dominant and, you know, maybe not be competitive. Like that was a big risk for me. Like if that was something I wanted to do, but I thought, why not? I mean, Mario wanted me to do it. I might as well give it a shot. And there hasn't been like one major championship or worlds or where I haven't meddled. So like I'm still a medalist to this day. So I mean, there's a lot to be said with a lot of you know work and time that I put in. It's not like you're looking back right now on your career because your career is is still going. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, are you able to look at what you're doing and what's the what's the sense of gratification that you get out of you know making the choice to go when you're 30 pounds overweight to <laughs> To, to to somehow you know crisco your hips to get into the get into your racing chair which for people who don't know a racing chair fits like as tightly as your jeans do it, it, there is no room for anything else so if you're 30 pounds heavier i i, I have photos it's quite funny <laughs> but i did it <laughs> I think it was just sheer like determination and will like I'm doing it like I think once I've set my mind to something it's just I'm doing it and, and so looking back on on that decision and where you come right now what do you what do you think I mean what is it what does it say to you about the rest of your life what does it say to you about the message you want to teach your children all of those things <sighs> wow the rest of my life like that's a big one um I don't really know yet like you know I think obviously a lot has to do with like with my kids and like what you know they're gonna do and you know that's always my main focus I mean I'm a mom first I mean quite honestly so you know I think wow my future I don't know like I'm gonna see what happens after Tokyo you know I don't know like Wendy is always like why wouldn't you go until you can no longer go? And I'm like, yeah, well, like, when's that point? Like, 
when's the point where you can go until you can no longer go? Like, I don't know. I, I just don't know when that is. You know, when you, I do have like a, my collarbone, that um, whatever, that SC joint that did pop out on me a few months back. And so like, this has been nagging me a little bit, but it doesn't bother me when I push. It's just certain movements that I do, like lifting weights, I'm probably not, you know, where I, I want to be. But, you know, you know, when you're like in your 40s and I'm just transferring something I've done thousands of times and something pops, just like, uh, <laughs> when's the time? But yet you're, you're way more fit now I am more, than you I am would more. have been if you hadn't started this. Oh, yeah. But you know what's crazy? When I was heavier, I didn't realize I was heavier. Like, I didn't realize it. Like, I just thought I was still cute. And I was like, just living my life, eating everything I saw. And I just, it wasn't like, I had no idea. No idea. Meanwhile, you weren't burning any of those calories. The way Nothing. <laughs> like I would bake, I would eat cake, like brownies. Like I had no shame. <laughs> I don't dare do that now. No way. <laughs> so do, do you have any ex expectations going into Tokyo? Um, I mean, first you have to make the team, right? So there's team. I mean, and it's, it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie, to make the team, I mean, it is going to be hard. I mean, I have Tatiana, I have Amanda, I have Jenna, I have Hannah Diedrich. Like, there's a lot of pretty solid, you know, racers. And you only get three spots per event, right? <laughs> not necessarily. So, like, um, no, the way, like, everything is so different now it wasn't like it used to be so like it goes off of like a percentage of like a standard to make the team right. to make the team so like i could win an event but if i'm so far off the standard and somebody in a different event maybe finishes second but they're closer to a standard they would get a slot before me right and this is where it's really confusing and for our listeners mm -hmm. this is where it's confusing in it's confusing for me it's confusing yeah. for all of us. That that uh, that Sherry's not necessarily competing even against people in her own class or against wheelchair racers, but there are wheelchair racers, there are visually impaired athletes, there are uh, cerebral palsy athletes who, who might use a wheelchair as well. There are amputees, both arm and leg, and and it's all based on a formula uh, with a qualifying standard and how close or how close you come to that qualifying standard or how much you exceed that qualifying standard by at the trials yep. while also finishing in the top three major event at the trials that mm -hmm. then puts you into this whole mix. So you can go through and do all of your events and you could conceivably win all of your events. You should have a pretty good chance if you, if you win all of your events, but you don't know for sure until all of the math is done so so each athlete is competing for a spot on the u.s paralympic team with all of the other track athletes in all of the other events from the 1100 through the through the 10,000 you know and and so many different classifications so so that's what sherry's saying that's so that's so challenging right now 
Yeah, it is. It's and it's that part is stressful. So that's why I'm not I'm not trying to focus on that. Like I'm just gonna do the best that I can do. And whatever happens, it happens. Like I get I don't want to get in my own head. And sometimes like I I do that and I'm like, oh nope, I gotta like refocus, you know. And that's one of the good things is I'm staying with Wendy. And so Wendy will definitely keep me occupied occupied. So like when I'm by myself sitting in a room, I just start thinking. I don't want to overthink things. So it'll be nice to, you know, spend time with Wendy and, you know, she'll definitely take my mind off of things. Well, it's the ultimate goal, isn't it, as an athlete, that there are so many different things that are swirling around, whether it's, you know, whether it's the fans, whether it's COVID, whether it's being in a foreign country, the competitors, the conditions, whatever it is. And you can't control any of that stuff by controlling whatever is is just in front of you and your race are you better at that now than you used to be or were you better back then when in some ways you just didn't know what you didn't know you know back then it's just i didn't know what i didn't know and so like what what's been difficult for me and <sighs> was losing my brother and having a family at home like I always somehow had this fear, like what if something bad happens and I'm not home? Mm. Like that was one of the things that I've, I've had to be like, okay, I can't control anything. Like that's out of my control. So I have to just focus on this. That was definitely the hardest part for me. It was just controlling and having what's in front of me now and not thinking about the what ifs. Like what if this or what if that? And you know, Kathy Sellers, like my first trip out, uh, my first trip overseas was really hard for me. Um, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody on the team. Um, my roommate was supposed to be Shirley Riley, but she was coming in late because I think she was nominated for an ESPY. So I was by myself in a foreign country and I was just, I was a mess. Like I was crying. I was like, I just wanted to go home. It's just, it was, that was a really rough trip for me. And Kathy's like, everything's fine. Just enjoy it. Like you're here. She's like, everything will be fine. She's like, quit focusing on something you have no control over. So that's kind of what I have to keep repeating to myself. Like you have no control over things. Just focus on what's in front of you. All right. Well, that sounds like that sounds like the best advice you could give yourself as you're approaching the games. Mm -hmm. It is the games. Your family won't be there. But is there anything that you're looking forward to in Tokyo other than competing? You know, like we've just been told to really lower expectations when it comes to these games. Mm -hmm. We're basically going to be in a bubble which I think for a lot of the athletes that did like London in 2012 with such a huge, you know, audience and spectators and fans, I'm like, well, I did Atlanta <laughs> and like my family was there. <laughs> like there was nobody in the stands. And so like, I don't need like a big, like hype crowd. You know what I mean? Like I, that's not, you know, I've done the Olympic exhibition where there's been a ton of people so I've had both experiences and, you know, it's 
obviously it's, it's different, but it's still, you know, just got to do what I can do. That's it. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for, for joining us, for, for taking us on your journey from, you know, being, being a kid who broke world records to then a mom who came back and is making the world record holders really nervous, which is great. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like it's good fun. Well, good luck and thank you. Thanks a ton. I look for, I don't know that I'll actually see you next week when, when we're at trials because I was just reading through my stuff and I am tier three, you are tier one and, and there's not supposed to be any interaction whatsoever. So it is going to be a weird time, but we're lucky that we're, that we're moving in a, in a much better direction, hopefully now. So I think so. At least are happy. And, and thank you for, for, uh, you know, heeding the words of your, of your brother, you know, that your, that your kids need to experience this. And that to me, I think is, is one of the coolest parts and probably I would imagine something that will give you strength as you continue into your fourth Paralympic games. Yes. Thank you. All right. Thanks a ton. And to all of you, uh, thank you for joining us. The greatest compliment you can pay us is to tell your friends to say, hey, we've enjoyed this. Come check it out. Uh, this will be a podcast as well. So you can find us on, on YouTube, on Apple, on Spotify. Uh, please, if you like it, please like us. Please subscribe. Uh, we'll continue to get you the best content that we can. So thank you very much.